Welcome to Citizens Midweek. It's a podcast for our church family in Charlotte, North Carolina, where we take a deeper look at this week's sermon. My name is Jacob, and I am joined this week by our friend and deacon, Garrison Weiner. Hey, Garrison. Let's get started. This week, we continued on in our fall series on the fruit of the spirit in the time of the flesh, just looking at the different fruit of the spirit in Galatians and just kind of comparing that to the way that maybe the world around us encourages us to live our lives. So this week in particular, we were looking at the fruit of kindness, talking about what the Bible has to say about us being kind people. Um, Specifically, we looked at Luke 6, 27 through 32, um, kind of the famous passage in the Sermon on the Mount about, you know, turning the other cheek and giving away your cloak and that stuff. Um, and just talking about what it means for for Christians to, you know, in the way of Jesus, be able to um, to receive harm and, ab- and abuse and even, you know, thievery and such, but still remain kind and, and loyal and loving towards the people around us. So um, it was a big topic. It was a big idea. And I think, you know, we talked about a lot of stuff. We talked about how, um, you know, our as, as sinners, our capacity to be hurt really... T- uh, we are really encouraged to kind of respond with to hurt with bitterness and frustration or or kind of writing people out of our lives or you know kind of overprotecting ourselves and talked about how you know bitterness is kind of the opposite of the fruit of the spirit in this way that you know whenever we're hurt um, we should be responding with love and kindness and patience because of what Christ has done for us but we really tend to respond with bitterness and resentfulness and I'm um, just talked about how culture encourages us to do this too and I'm ultimately looking at what it means for us to respond with with kindness um, instead of bitterness you know and I think the part that stuck out to me the most is when we really kind of started uh, digging into the difference between kind and nice <laughs> I thought that was really impactful um, just because I don't think you know, I think the person that is nice does not recognize that that's not kind. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Um, so, you know, if you haven't listened to the sermon yet, we're just talking about the idea that some of us try to to fake kindness by being really nice to one another. You gave that funny example of somebody, which I think they, the person in your example probably thought they were doing the admirable thing. But <laughs> when I really don't, when I'm really upset at somebody or when I see somebody that I really don't like, I go up to them and compliment their hair. Um, you know, and I this think that's great. I, I just remember thinking like, oh, that person thinks that they're overcoming their bitterness mm-hmm. by being nice. Right. But just kind of talking about how that's fake and that's superficial. And we do that in a million other ways. But yeah, I just think, I don't know, growing up one in Southern culture, like the Southeast, um, also the biblical Bible Belt Southeast, also growing up in the church, like you see this so much. Um, and there's actually a comedian that I see on TikTok a lot. I wish I remembered the name off the top of my head, but she kind of jokes about this personality when she does these skits on like country club women and how it's like, oh, hey, how are you? <laughs> and then like as soon as they walk away, just saying all these oh, mean yeah. things about them. Um, or I'm thinking about how like this is silly, but I saw this online this week. But in Mean Girls, whenever Regina George compliments that girl's skirt and then as soon as she walks away, she goes, that's the ugliest skirt I've ever seen. Right. But like th- those are silly examples, but just seeing you know when you point it out of like oh well, man am i am i superficial or am, I, or am i kind and then when you actually go on to kind of explain what kindness is to see the difference like something superficial like niceness does not come nearly close enough to jesus's command to be kind to be loyally loving to one another but yeah i thought that was interesting really helpful what kind of stood out to you garrison while you were preparing for the sermon this week yeah i think a couple things and i'll I guess, firstly, uh, to your point, talking about the niceness stuff, Uh I think some of those diagnostic categories are really important because 
it is hard to to parse it out um right because we we do think and and i've even heard it talked about a lot um somebody saying you know they're just so kind they're so loving it's like they're just uh they're just nice and have an approval right like uh, you (laughs) know um when we were prepping for this and just full disclosure that is me i'm that person um we, I mean, since we were, you said it, I mean, we were talking about it, and uh, and and Cole was like, you know, you could use your own diagnostic, which is when I'm doing poorly, people like me more. Yeah, <laughs> they they will like me more because I'm gonna I, I'm gonna try harder, right? Because I'm not doing well, right? To get the person to like me, usually by me being really really nice and friendly and warm, um. I think those diagnostic questions are really important to ask yourself because um, kindness is different. Um, this is one of the things you know that comes with the fruit of, of the spirit, where we can sometimes think that we're more mature than we are uh, by basing the fruit uh, on our even weaknesses sometimes or our strengths, just our our natural wiring, where it's like I'm an I'm nice me. So it's very easy for me to look at loving, kindness, stuff like that and say, wow, I must be really mature. And it's like, well, what about goodness? Right. Um, what about faithfulness? What about self-control? Um, I, I think Tim said this in the first week, in the intro week, but uh, it's important for us to not just look at our best fruit, but also our worst fruit. Um, and many times the, the clearer picture of our maturity is actually more connected to our, our worst fruit, so to speak. Hmm. Um, even though there only is one fruit, so, uh, it kind of reshapes how we view it. Uh, I think the other thing, um, that stuck out to me, uh, is, is really how common, commonly known this passage is. Yeah. Um, how well it's thought of, like everyone loves these words and how poorly we actually are obedient to it. Um, So, I mean, I actually had to cut um, some of the stuff I had under verse 31, but verse 31 is the golden rule. Uh, It's treat others as you'd like to be treated. What a universally agreed on thing, (laughs) right? Right? Like, yeah. Even non-Christians. Even people that hate Jesus love this uh, one. <laughs> Non-Christians correct Christians with this verse, right? Like, they, we get preached to with this. Love your enemy. Like It's like oh, love your yeah, neighbor love, and judge yeah, not. Yeah, right. Like it's kind of the love world. everyone. Turn the other cheek. It's like, yeah, let's put it on a coffee cup. Let's put <laughs> it on a t-shirt. It's great. It's great until we have an enemy. It's it's great until somebody actually does strike us and and does accuse us and abuse us and make us out to be something that we're not, um, or maybe that we are, in just a very unloving, uh, uncompassionate way. It kind of changes everything, um, and I think Jesus repeating himself. I mean, he kind of says the same thing over and over in different ways throughout those five verses. And it all comes down to show mercy, uh, not and and I love how he highlights it, right? Like uh, even if you think about it, verse thirty-one, be kind or uh, treat others as you'd like to be treated. He's talking about that within the context of don't do what sinners, right? Non non believers do in the sense of oh yeah, they'll love people that love them, 
They'll give to people that give to them. They'll lend to people that will lend back. He's saying, no, do it to the person that's taken the most from you, that's hurt you. It's really, really hard words from Jesus. And, uh, and probably something that I wished I had more time for is, yeah, we need the Spirit of God to actually change us to be able to do those things. Um, it's one of those um, teachings of Jesus that is meant to show us and expose our hearts, our wickedness, that, oh, there's no way I can actually do that. I like it. I like the idea of, of doing that. But when it actually happens to me, I'm incredibly bitter and I'm hurt and I don't want, I, I just feel like I can't do it. Um, so we actually need the spirit of God to change us and to be actually able to do that. Cause those passages actually hit a lot of different virtues. Like it hits, I mean, first of all, I'm just thinking like, especially in this sermon on the Mount, it's kind of, it's Jesus's most prolific and built out kingdom ethic. Like what does it look like to be a part of my kingdom instead of the kingdom of the world? Right. And that's exactly what you were saying of like, Jesus is telling these people, the kingdom of the world can do this. Like the world's kingdom can love those who love them and bear with those who bear with them. Like that's not anything countercultural. But what I mean to say about the other thing is that like Jesus is hitting a few different categories. Like when it comes to, he talks about, you know, theft and generosity. Like when somebody steals your cloak, your cloak, give them more. (laughs) He talks about, I mean, pain and suffering. Like when somebody hits you, turn the other cheek, but it's like offer them the other cheek to hit as well. I think, We've kind of turned that phrase, turn the other cheek into like a hold your head high and walk away kind of thing. But it's like, no, he's saying like, be willing to be hit again for the sake of loving another person. You know, um, t- you know, it's just all these things. It's about slander and it's about literally pain and violence. And it's about, you know, theft versus generosity. Like he's hitting all these things and saying, you know, I, it reminds me of what Paul says later on where Paul says like outdo one another in showing on. Right. Right. This is, it's like the foundation of that is starting here. Of like outdo the people, the kingdom of the world and showing honor to those that hurt you and showing generosity to those that take from you, you know? Um, and it sounds great. Exactly what right. you said. It sounds great. And even listening to your sermon on Sunday, I was like, gosh, I don't think about this passage a lot because to kind of work out what this looks like practically feels impossible. <laughs> like it feels so impossible to think about. What would I, would I do that? Like if somebody takes from me, do I give more? If somebody hurts me, do I, you know, bear with them to be in a position where they could hurt me again? Like, gosh, it's really tough, but yeah, super helpful to think about. What are we going to dive deep on this week, Garrison? Yeah, I think um, I had to cut a, a little bit of um, some of the cultural diagnostic stuff, as well as some of our um, stuff talking about justice. I got to hit on both of those a little bit, but kind of want to just, uh, I guess, see where the conversation goes talking about that. Um, I think part of the reason that even just what we were talking about um, is so difficult for us is because of and this isn't anything new this is kind of the premise of of the whole series um our culture our culture is deeply uh embedded with bitterness so i think if you even think about it uh in a very microcosm let's just hop on your social media feed think about the last time you saw somebody in i and i hate to pick on politics but it's just it's so easy um they were having a political debate, right? And somebody 
you know, says their opinion. And somebody just out of nowhere responds with like a ton of virtual emotion, right? And you'll see things a lot where it's like, you would never understand people like you and just these really um, large assumptives that are, you know, like virtual scoffing and like shaking your fists. That isn't just like normal, you know, we have differences in opinions. That's bitterness language. That's like, oh, a lens has formed. I hate you. I think so lowly of you. Um, and that's just a just a microcosm, right? Like if we uh, zoom out, we, we've talked about things like cancel culture a lot, um, which I think at the, the heart of cancel culture is, uh, is bitterness and resentment and anger, sometimes over the correct things, right? Sometimes it's over like major injustice and treating people poorly and saying inappropriate things. But the response is to go eye for an eye, uh, to try to hurt, to ruin them, to to put them back in their place. Um, and we say it with like the positive language. We'll say things like, oh, it's accountability, right? It's like maybe, or maybe it's bitterness. Um, another way I see it is by labeling, labeling people as toxic, um, right? Like going about it of saying, well, uh, they you know, have really been a burden on my life. I actually looked up the WebMD. The, if you Google toxic people, the first thing that comes up is is WebMD. Interesting. Right? Like wow. the, you know, the website that tells yeah. you you have cancer when <laughs> you have a headache. Um, but yeah, they're, they're like, hey, tox a toxic person is somebody that makes your life worse. Like that's pretty much the, the basic definition, um, which I think is really interesting because it makes our if somebody is toxic because they make your life worse and don't don't get me wrong like i said in the sermon there's nuances to everything and some people are like uh they are abusive and harmful i think we have to flesh out what that means but there's certainly a category but i don't think that category gets appropriately used a lot and anybody can be labeled as as toxic if they frustrate you hurt you can be petty, can, can, and, and then you have the means. What that language does is it gives you the means to actually go eye for an eye by cutting them out of your life, by labeling them a certain way and by pushing them away. Um, maybe we don't see that as much in, uh, in church, um, in, in the Christian world. I think what we do see, uh, it, are things like, um, cancel culture and, the toxic people language getting sprinkled with, with Christianity uh, where we'll say the things boundary like language and yeah, stuff. that too, yeah. where we'll say things like, you know, when people hurt us and you know, we, we are trying to have a conversation with them, you know, I'll forgive you, but I won't reconcile with you or we'll reconcile, but we're not going to be restored. And it's like, so you're withholding mercy. Why? Well, cause you haven't forgiven them. These these words are used interchangeably in the Bible, like you're you're twisting the scriptures to hold on to your own bitterness. Yeah, a lot of the time it's really sad. <laughs> it's really sad. It's really scary stuff. Yeah, um, I know a lot of people, I myself, have had some of those things said to us um, in trying to to reconcile over over sin, um, and it can be really painful because what 
is happening is bitterness is winning. Bitterness is consuming the relationship. And we think that we're responding appropriately by saying, you know, we're not going to be restored. And it's like, thank God that that is not how Jesus responds to us. I mean, what a horrible world. <laughs> I'm thinking about that through the context of like the verses at the end of the passage we read, which is like, it's like having the mindset of like, okay, I forgive you for taking my cloak, but I'm going to go hide the rest of my cloaks <laughs> like that. Or I'm going to, I forgive you for hitting me in the cheek, but I'm going to only stand 30 feet away from you for the rest of our lives. It's, you know what I mean? It's like, it's that kind of false dichotomy of like, I forgive you, but I'm never going to put myself in a position to be hurt by you again. But that's fruit of unforgiveness, right? Like that's fruit of not being reconciled, not being, you know, brought back into right relationship. If you say, well, I forgive you, but I'm never ever going to treat you the same. I'm right. always going to keep on remembering and, and protecting myself in accordance to my memory. Like, man, that's just so not the way of what Jesus is calling us to do here at all. And I think too, it, it reminds me of, you know, when you started talking about the Old Testament context for this idea, the word has said, and I know one Bible scholar that I really like, and you use this word as well, but he talks, his his favorite way to, to translate that word is loyal love, mm. which is the same word that we get the kindness word in the New Testament here, loyal love. And just thinking about like how, how unloyal is that of us, you know, like... Christ, you know, the, uh, the call is as Christians is to be so unified in Christ that we are unified against all odds, you know, right. unified against all hurt and all discord and all, you know, frustration and all bitterness and all malice. Like we're unified no matter what. Um, and that unification comes with a sense of loyalty that we have to one another. And I think that's what Christ is calling us to here is like part of the fruit of the spirit is countercultural loyal love for one another regardless of our ability to be hurt by one another regardless of our capacity to hurt the people we love we're loyal to one another because of what Christ has done to unify us and it's just not what like you're saying it's not what we see in the world around us it's not what's offered to us like our relationships in the world or our relationships tend to be really hot and heavy and then really ice cold on a dime. Like we tend to be really fast friends and like tend to be really quick acquaintances and really, you know, quickly kind of open. It's very, I don't know. I don't want to say trendy, but like, it's very, we kind of see TV relationships like, Oh, we bear our souls to one another. We're really close. All of a sudden that's what friendship is. But then as soon as there's hurt or, or mistrust or whatever, we break it off, it's over. You know, so we have these really hot and colds um, all over the place. Like that's what the world offers us. But Christ is saying, like, I want you to be loyal to one another as I'm loyal to you. I want you to be unified to one another as I'm unified with you. Right. And I think, you know, all that stuff is only possible by one. I, I guess you both have to see the justice and the mercy of God. Where one, like we talked about in, in Romans 12, um, God is going to avenge all evil. And, and if we read our Bibles, we know that when we're sinned against, and when we sin against others, we're actually also sinning against God, right? Like that's pretty clear throughout the scriptures. Psalm 51 is a great example of that, where David is saying, have mercy on God against you and you alone have I sinned. Well, he's talking about his adultery and, and murder and his... Uh, faithlessness to leading the people, but he's saying against you and you alone. Um, so there's a piece of that, that we have to see that 
we're sinning against God or, or they are sinning against God. God sees that. He cares about it. And he's going to do something about it. He already has done something about it. And that actually frees us up. So I think it, you know, and then with the mercy piece, it's, uh, and Jesus talks about this a lot, a lot of times in the parables um, where he's, you know, saying, what if you were forgiven of a billion dollar debt? Would a $30,000 debt bother you that much? No, it, it, it probably wouldn't, or it shouldn't if you actually understand the consequence. Um, and I think both, uh, both of those things expose our lack of biblical understanding of justice and mercy and our trust in, in God. Uh, because if we actually did trust him and understand who he is, what he's doing, um, then we actually could let some of this stuff go and actually respond in obedience to the hard call to not just let things go, but actually respond oppositely, graciously, with mercy, generously. I'm, I'm glad we keep using those words to, like, to give a holistic picture. The opposite of bitterness is not just like the English word kindness isn't enough and you're using words like mercy and generosity and loyalty and love and all these things. Cause it's a full picture like that, you know, responding in the best way, regardless of our bitterness. So yeah, you know, it's word. almost important to use those words because even as we talk about kindness and have fleshed it out with Hased, it's still like, well, kindness is just being nice, right? right. It's still hard to get those out of our heads because they were used almost entirely like the same way. And it's it's not. I mean, kindness and niceness are not. Niceness, at least, is not the goal. Uh, any final thoughts for us today as we close out, Garrison? Yeah, wanna wanna highlight um, our our practices, our grace and grit practices, as we've done every week. So this week we're um, hitting on the lectio divina and praying for our enemies. Lectio divina is just this kind of ancient way of of meditating on uh, the scriptures and specifically uh, we want to push everyone to um, meditate on those verses from Titus, Titus three. Um, I think, and I said this towards the end of the sermon, I, I think uh, we have to start with God's kindness uh, towards us um, because ultimately, you know, uh, this call is, is too much for us on our own. Uh, we need to one, look at God and then ask him to, to transform us. Um, to help us to actually live out the loving kindness um, that Jesus embodies and calls us uh, to do. So we want to start with the grace of Jesus, that he you know, saved us, that he has made us his, uh, his friends and his children for eternity, and we didn't deserve it. We were his enemies. We you know, slapped him, spit on him, sinned against him, and he responds in faithful, uh, kind love. So we want to start there. And then secondly, uh, we, we want to respond with some grit, some obedience um, to what we're called to do. And we want to do that by starting with praying for our enemies. Um, you know, I, it was a while ago when we, we uh, I, I, I preached it, I think in Acts, maybe Ephesians, where we kind of put together a list of people uh, that we hate or have hurt us. Um, or mistreated us. And if you're around them, this might be a great time to go back to that list and, and revisit it. Or if not, um, pray and think through, you know, is there anyone in your life that you hold bitterness towards? I I am guilty of this. And I think a lot of folks may be guilty of this as well. Um, when there's hurt that maybe is a little bit older, 
<laughs> maybe a couple months right. or years. It can feel like it's resolved right. and that we're good to go. That's not a big deal anymore because it doesn't actively hurt. But I actually would challenge you um, to at least think about, is that just because you're not thinking about it anymore? Or because you're your bitterness has caused you to grow cold towards them. Or yeah, right, you know. that. And and pray and actually go to God with that. Right. And maybe talk about it with somebody. Um, I, I see that a lot in my life where it's like, yeah, this person really hurt me and there was no resolution, but I'm fine. And then it's like, well, let me just talk about right. it for ten minutes. And um, oh yeah, here <laughs> we are. Nothing towards here the person are. is not necessarily a sign of right yeah. relationship. So so think on that and pray. Um Pray through it and pray for your enemies yeah. this week. Yeah, that's awesome. Appreciate it. Well, that's all the time we have for this week, guys. We will catch you in the gathering this coming Sunday. We'll see you next time.